It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Wolves fall to the Hawks in Game 3, 127-113. I got Jack Borman to help me break it all down. It's coming up next on the Locked On Wolves. You are Locked On Wolves Postcast, part of Locked On Minnesota on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Stop me if you heard this one. Wolves blow a 19-point lead and collapse in the second half to the Hawks. An all-too-familiar scene tonight. What's up, what's up? Back in the lab, back at it. Another T-Wolves Postcast episode right here on the Locked On Sports Minnesota Network. You got myself, Luke Inman. At Luke underscore Spinman. That's the man, Jack Borman, co-host of the Minnesota Basketball Party, each and every week up on the Locked On Sports Minnesota channel. Go follow him on X at JR Borman13. And Jack, before we jump into all the action, quick reminder: this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code all lowercase locked on NBA for a first deposit match. Up to $100. All right, brother. Let's just jump right into this one. Wolves taking on Atlanta tonight. Coming off that first win at home Saturday versus Miami. Obviously, huge to get that first dub versus the Heat, especially after that rough start in the opener versus Toronto. But I think going into tonight, Devil's Advocate was kind of quick to point out, hey, no Jimmy Butler in that one, no Kevin Love in that one, et cetera. So tonight was supposed to be a really good litmus test to see where this team was at. You saw one bad performance, one good performance. Well, they come out, Jack, on absolute fire, 19-point lead at halftime. But I don't know. You'll have to tell me what the deal is with this team a little bit more in depth and why this keeps happening because – I think every fan thought and assumed last year's second half nightmares were going to be a thing of the past. But tonight, man, it was like watching a rerun, just an absolute horrorish collapse in the second half. They give this one away tonight, letting the Hawks steal it. Let's just start with your, you know, top two takeaways from this one to kick things off. Yeah, the the very obvious one is is just the the complete inability of this team to close games and and just turn you know, big first half leads, big, you know, third quarter leads into even bigger, you know, second half, fourth quarter leads. Um, and it's it's been woven into the fabric of this team ever since the the playoff series against the Memphis Grizzlies two years ago. And, and the three common denominators that you have there are, are Chris Finch, Anthony Edwards, and Carl Anthony Towns. And, you know, this team brought in Mike Conley to try to expunge, um, you know, some of the hero ball and some of the um, – you know, just just uh, you know, poor basketball IQ that uh, D'Angelo Russell tended to bring, and um, you know they just haven't been able to get rid of it, uh, which is which is really unfortunate. Um, and and obviously it's a, it's a smaller sample size with Mike Conley here, but um, you know the hope is that bringing up you know veterans like him and and Rudy Gobert and Kyle Anderson and Shake Milton into the mix here, um, you know, would just enable the Timberwolves to you know just slow it down run some good offense, uh, just kind of stay collected mentally. And they just haven't been able to do that. Um, you know, and, and tonight was a perfect example of that. So that's obviously the biggest one for me. Um, and then the second one is just the offense. Uh, again, continuing to to just be a huge problem for the Timberwolves in the second half. We saw the ball movement was, was incredible in that first half. The player movement, everybody was just flying around. 
um, being really unselfish, moving without the basketball, setting screens for one another, crashing the offensive glass in a smart way, um, and, and just putting pressure on, on the Hawks at, at every level of the floor from all over the place in every lineup that they put out there on the floor. Um, and then that just completely went away in the second half. Um, I, I just saw a tweet, uh, I believe it, it came here from, from Zach Pierce, that um, that of the, the 229 times that, it, that an NBA team has scored at least 79 points in a first half, uh, finishing with 113 was the lowest of those 229 um, wow. uh, 229 times. So uh, just a, a historic meltdown um, from the Timberwolves that was rooted in, in pretty terrible offense in the second half. Yeah, you hate to lose, watch them lose, excuse me. You hate to watch them lose any night, but you especially hate to watch them lose in the fashion they just continue to do it, a la last year, because it's it's almost so much more maddening and frustrating the way they, they kind of tease us with these big leads. They prove to us that, yes, we do have the talent, to be one of the better teams in the league. And man, let's talk about the first half for a second to come out the way they did and put on an absolute shooting clinic in the first half. Like they did. I mean, here's some first half numbers, 67 field goal percentage, 67% from behind the arc, 15 fast break points to Atlanta's four. Most impressively to me, I think in the paint points in the paint at a halftime, 34 for the wolves, Atlanta, only 16, uh, ant kind of exploded. He led the charge early on. He was eight for his first nine. He had 20 at the break. I don't know. Explain it to me. I guess if you can, like I'm five, like what specifically is happening to this team in the second half of games? Like, is there something tangible that we can take away from nights like these? And why has it maybe seemingly carried over now from last year to this year? Is it easy as that? Or is it more in-depth and, and you know, a little bit more difficult to answer? It's all just predicated on sharing the ball. Uh, the Timberwolves okay. had 18 assists in the first half. They had six in the second half, which wow. is absolutely horrendous. Um, and, I, and I think that uh, what tends to happen when, you know, the other team throws a big punch is the Timberwolves just kind of crater a little bit. Um, you know, in, in the playoffs and in some of the biggest games last season, we saw Anthony Edwards really, really rise to the occasion and meet the moment with, uh, some pretty show-stopping plays. He had one one pretty nice momentum-killing three-pointer in an ISO ball situation um, in that third quarter. But outside of that, um, he and Carl Anthony Towns completely disappeared in the second half. You know, I think Anthony Edwards ended up finishing with 11 points, but some of that was just too little too late. Um, and then with Carl, I believe Carl Anthony Towns had 13 points in the first half. He had three in the entire second half. And same goes yeah. for Nas Reed. Asreed also had 13 points in the first half and had zero in the second half. Um, and and the, all those three guys are all, you know, players who really, really are dependent in a way upon the Timberwolves moving the ball really well. They're, they're not guys who, um, you know, you know, they're all guys that can score in isolation, but they're much better when they kind of get the ball in a rhythm and, um, and they just kind of feed off the flow and the, and the ball movement that the Timberwolves can, um, you know, the Timberwolves can create, you know, it's kind of like a kinetic energy effect where all of those guys, when there's just more kinetic energy, player movement, body movement, um, that all three of those guys get in a rhythm a whole lot easier rather than, you know, we saw all three of them trying to play ISO ball to get themselves going because they're all talented enough individual scorers, but uh, it just didn't work out that way. And, um, you know, another big thing too, is like, I don't have the numbers in front of me. It's not something we can get this quickly after a game, but I'd love to see the number of screens that the Timberwolves set in the first half compared to the number of screens the Timberwolves set in the second half. Interesting. Um, okay. Okay. You know, that that's that's a big one. Um, and, and the other thing, too, is like how quickly does, do, you know, the Timberwolves get into some type of action? I, I would be willing to bet that 
that the Timberwolves were starting their offense on the other side of half court by the 19, 18 second mark on the shot clock. And that just got down to like 14, 15 seconds left on the shot clock. Um, Instead, and those four to five seconds can make a big difference, especially when that other team is building momentum and you're just trying to kind of kill the clock. You know, it's like a team in the NFL trying to run the ball up seven with, you know, nine minutes left. Just keep playing what got you that lead. You know, it's it's way too early to try to bleed the clock and, and play not to lose. And that's just what keeps happening for the Timberwolves. I, I got to ask you because you got my wheel spinning a little bit. You're my go-to analytics and numbers guy when it comes to this stuff. The screen stats and numbers What's like a normal good number on an average night that I should be looking for? And do you say that because the Wolves specifically, the way they're built, you'd expect more screens from them? Or can you say that kind of a blanket statement for every team? Yeah, I mean, I couldn't really tell you exactly, you know, what's a great number for for number of screens set in a game. Um, but, you know, I, I think the Timberwolves are a team that needs a lot of screens, whether it's off-ball okay. screens or on-ball screens, because Rudy Gobert is arguably the best screen setter of the modern NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we saw what happened in the first half. You know, he set a ton of screens. He rolled to the rim really, really well. The Timberwolves threw a ton of lobs up for him. He didn't finish all of them, but he got fouled going up to grab, you know, probably three or four of them, threw another three or four of them down. Um, and, and when he set screens for Anthony Edwards, the amount of space that, um, you know, that gets created for Ant to, to be able to work in the mid-range or, or explode all the way to the rim is really, really big. And you know, when Anthony Edwards can get ahead of steam, it just puts all sorts of pressure on the defense, collapses, you know, the backside and everybody kind of cheats in and, and opens up and opens up the passing game and uh, allows him easier reads. And um, when there aren't as many screens set, and he's kind of forced to, you know, forced to just do things on his own. He kind of gets tunnel vision. Um, and you saw like that, that turnover he had in the fourth quarter. Um, Jim Pete mentioned it on the broadcast, he had Nas read wide open in the left corner and instead just mm-hmm. kind of haphazardly dribbles it gets it stolen and it goes the other way for a layup and at that point the game was kind of out of reach and um you know i think the other part of it too is uh, when when edwards and towns both get into the corner sometimes they get really disengaged um and, and, and you know people that that watch a lot of these other teams a, a team like phoenix the way that you know Devin booker plays out of the corner all the time but they run screens um off the ball to kind of get him turning around to screen and catch the ball and getting ahead of steam towards the basket. And the Timberwolves just don't do any of that. When players go to the corners, um, you know, that are used to having their ball, the ball in their hands, they just don't know how to play. Uh, Conley being the exception there. Um, you know, we saw Nas Reed and Jaden McDaniels make some great plays out of the corner, but like, like those guys are used to playing out of the corner. And so, um, yeah, for the Timberwolves, it's just going to be about, you know, can you consistently come back to actions that you can just kill defenses with? They did it in the first half, and then they just completely went away from it in the second half. Yeah, well said. And and obviously, again, frustrating start to the season in these two losses that they've had. They dropped to one and two because they did look so crisp and so good all preseason. And we talked about it last week after the first game when we talked about, hey, Coach Finch said, hey, sometimes when the lights turn on and things get bright, things don't always look the same. And we knew this whole thing would take some time, right, to gel together with everyone healthy now. But what do you tell the fans that are just so sick of watching the same movie on repeat over and over again? Like, how do you talk them off the ledge a little bit and sell them on despite what we just watched? This is not the same team that we saw last year or – can you not do that yet? Are, are you uh, maybe not to that point quite yet? I, I don't know if we can do that right now, to be brutally yep, honest. Fair. I mean, yep. I, mean I, th- I think it, it kind of proves this right from the first game and in, in saying that, you know, I, I don't think that that 
you know, movie that we saw in the first game is what's going to be the whole year, obviously, like, cause we saw they can put it together in the, in the first half. They did that. Um, but again, I, I think more of it honestly has to do with the mentality that this team has when they get up big rather than, you know, systemic issues with their offense, if that makes sense. Like I, I if you're, if you're kind of doing like a pie chart of blame or like mm-hmm. power ranking, yes, the, the things that are most wrong with this team right now, um, I think the mental aspect of it has way more to do with than the physical aspect of it. And that, like I said, since the Memphis series, they just cannot hold on to leads. And, and something that uh, I notice all the time, and, and I wonder if other fans out there notice it too, is just look at Chris Finch's body language when, when things start to go sideways for the Timberwolves. He just kind of throws his hands up in the air, uh, looks really dejected, and um, and, and often doesn't call timeouts soon enough. Uh, and, and that's, you know, if I'm a player and I'm looking to my coach, like, Hey man, what can we do? Like you, you look in the playoffs, you look at, you know, you look at Mike Malone, Michael Malone, excuse me. You look mm-hmm. at Eric Spolstra, you know, coaches like that. They're in the finals. You look Tyron Ty Lue for the Clippers. Like none of these guys have this just super dejected, you know, haphazard. I can't control any of this body language. And for sure. I think it would be great for Chris Finch to come out and really take the blame for, for a performance like this. It just doesn't happen very often that he comes out and just takes the blame and says, I've got to get these guys, you know, more ready to go and keep them locked in for, for a whole game. Um, and, and, and again, it also falls on, on Edwards and towns too. Like at a certain point, like those three are the common denominators over the last few years for this team. And, the fact that they continually just crater when they get up big instead of just run up the score and win by 35 or 40 points. Like, look what the Hawks did last night. You know, they're beating the brakes off in Milwaukee. And, you know, Damian Lillard was having arguably the worst game of his career. Uh, Giannis couldn't really find a rhythm. And the Hawks just kept pouring it on. They kept playing aggressive, up-tempo, playing with pace, the same thing they did the whole first half. And ended up winning, I think, by like 25 or 30 points. And, you know, that's just something that this Timberwolves team has to learn and how they learn that and how they can, you know, somehow get the, you know, the the sort of PTSD from that series out of their out of their you know mental makeup is, is something that I don't have the answers for right now. No, absolutely. And I love that you brought up the pie chart where to divvy up the blame. There is people in the comments saying, hey, Coach Finch deserves a big chunk of that pie. How much of maybe the blame tonight? or maybe even big picture, however you want to answer it, um, would you put Coach Finch in that pie chart? Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, obviously you don't want to overreact and, and sure. you know, and say, you know, something that you shouldn't. But I think that, you know, for, for this game, I, I think a lot of it has to do with with Chris Finch um, in that, you know, you, you look at the first half and you looked at some of these lineups that worked really, really well together. Shake Milton played awesome. Uh, he played the whole entire second quarter. I believe he played the last like 14 or 15 minutes of the first half. Um, and then you don't get back to him until there's under a minute left in the third quarter. Um, Nikhil Alexander Walker was, was really uh, just not what we saw in the playoffs again tonight. Yeah. Um, and, and you went to him before you went to shake Milton, which I thought was a mistake. And then, um, and then Rudy Gobert was, was incredibly dominant. Um, played awesome in his minutes in the second half, or excuse me, in the second quarter. Um, arguably his best quarter as a Timberwolf uh, in the second quarter. And then uh, they kept Carl Anthony Towns out there, um, you know, 
as the lone big um, and, and what they did in the, in the Miami game, which worked really well is they kept Rigo bear out there as the, as the lone big, to, you know, as the, when they kind of split the two apart, mm-hmm. keeping Rudy Gobert out there first, especially given how he played in the second quarter was a decision that I think I would have made. Um, so those two um, decisions, I think cost the Timberwolves pretty dearly. Um, and Anthony Edwards just really did not have any juice in that third quarter. I think um, maybe taking him out of the game and getting into a bench lineup and, and going to maybe someone like Jordan McLaughlin as well. Um, that could just stimulate some more flow and better ball movement and player movement and some more some of that kinetic energy that I was talking about um, are all decisions that that I think would have been better ones than what happened. I think you know when you see Carl Anthony Towns try to force the issue offensively and you leave him out there, that can create some bad energy for the team. We saw some of that uh, in the third quarter, which was just disappointing considering that uh, he was awesome uh, in the first half. Um, so I, I I would probably say it's like. 60% on Chris Finch and then probably, you know, take the other 40% and divvy it up to, to Carlin, Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, however, you know, however you like, but, you know, just a, a really, really, you know, tough and, and frustrating performance. No question about it from, from the three most important, um, you know, figures on this team in the second half. Yeah. Well said and good breakdown there. I, I want to ask you about some individual performances and kind of the bigger picture with this Wolves team coming up right after I tell everyone about prize picks. Don't forget this episode is brought to us by our friends at prize picks. Prize picks is without a doubt the most fun I've had playing daily fantasy because you can win up to 25 times your money this football season. Why I love it so much is because it's so easy to play. All you got to do is select two or more players and pick more or less than the projected stats on any given night. And now you can even cross sports and pick multiple players in different sports altogether. That's just another reason why prize picks is the funnest way to play daily fantasy. Plus prize picks now offers Apple pay for quick and easy deposits into your account all season long. And with the prize picks reboot policy, your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. That's huge. So in any NFL game or college football matchup, if your player gets hurt in the first half and doesn't return, that player gets rebooted on your bet slip. That makes Prize Picks the only daily fantasy platform around that offers you injury insurance to give you that extra peace of mind. Right now, go to prizepicks.com slash NBA and use code LOCKEDONNBA for a first deposit matchup to $100, that's promo code LOCKEDONNBA at prizepicks.com slash LOCKEDONNBA for 100% bonus deposit match up to $100. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right. I kind of want to move on from this one and look at some maybe, you know, glass half full stuff, but you got to remind me real quick, how bad were things last year in the second half? Because I just remember, and you're the the expert, not me, but I just remember uh, about three quarters of the way through the season, looking up the third quarter specifically for this Wolves team. And they were like a bottom five team in point differential. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. 
No, no, you're you're all over it. And, and I think, bad. man. Yeah. And, um, you know, a lot of people just were wondering what goes on in the, in the Timberwolves locker room in the second half. Um, and at the end of the day, I mean, there are certain teams in the NBA that, that really make their mark in the third quarter. And, you know, the Golden State Warriors have been one for for years and years, pretty much the entire Curry and Kerr uh, tenure. They've been awesome in the third quarter. And that's just been an identity. And, and for this Timberwolves team, it's it's been the inverse of that. It's been an identity, but in a really bad way. Um, and, and, you know, again, it comes down to you know, who's the leader. You know, it's got to be it's got to be your best players. And, and, you know, for as, as awesome as Mike Conley is and as well-respected and adored of a, of a leader he is, um, you know, he's not the guy that's just going to be driving winning all the time on the floor. It's guys like Edwards and Towns and Gobert. And, um, and the fact that those guys all played as, as poorly as they did in the third quarter was just like a, a perfect storm of, um, you know, of bad energy and, and there's way too much bad energy that this team can create in a hurry um, that, that completely throws away all the, all the goodwill and good energy they created in that, that first half. Yeah. Good point. Uh, Jade McDaniels first game back tonight. Uh, I know they beat Miami on Saturday without him. And then I know they lost tonight, obviously with him, but how much should he help this team in the long run, big picture when he's fully healthy and on the court full time? Yeah, I think he was great. I think you saw in that first quarter, he comes in right away, makes his first two catch-and-shoot threes, which is something he did at over 40% last year, um, and then got out in transition, threw down that huge dunk uh, you know, off a great pass from Anthony Edwards. Uh, and he was also really, really good on, on Trey Young in that first stint. He held Trey Young to two points and one assist in, in Trey's first stint um, and made a lot of tough passing angles for, for him. Um, and, and you know, obviously when Trey's, you know, he's six foot, six one maybe, uh, and, and Jaden is seven feet and has this, you know, gargantuan wingspan. Um, and then we saw his length create a lot of problems for Trey Young again in that third quarter when he played, um, a lot of his minutes. And I think the Timberwolves are trying to be a little bit careful with some of his minutes. Don't want to overdo it in the first game back, but, um, you already saw that the kind of the connective tissue that, that I'd talked about a couple, you know, a couple games ago. Um, and that I think he just kind of knows how to play off of, Edwards and Towns, he's he's really smart about when to, you know, attack the rim after catching the ball, attacking some some over aggressive closeouts, um, and is just a really really smart player in terms of when he does attack closeouts, trying to figure out okay should I should I look to score here should I look to try to dump it off to Gobert maybe kick it out to the opposite corner, um, just all those things exactly the type of low usage high impact player you need. Uh, they, they can also space the floor around around this team's three best players. Um, and then obviously he's one of the best defensive players in the league in the way that you know he was able to to make things really, really difficult for Trey Young for most of the night uh, was exactly why Atlanta decided to go to DeJounte Murray and play through DeJounte mm. Murray, who the Timberwolves just had no answer for. And, and that's the type of thing that the Timberwolves are going to have to figure out is you know, Jane McDaniels can take the other team's best player out of the game. And a lot of these NBA teams now have have a second superstar, or a third superstar. And it's going to come down to the other guys on the roster to, you know, step up and, and bring the same defensive intensity that McDaniels brings. And, you know, hopefully his his play can, you know, bring out some some of that and his teammates, some good defensive intensity and, and really, um, you know, and inspire some of his teammates to fly around out there. And, and so it was, a, it was a great first game from Jaden and, and hopefully uh, we see it again. Uh, and it's in this next game against Denver.
Yeah, the loss is obviously going to overshadow it, but it was super nice to see him out there and looking, basically picking up right where he left off. And and I know a lot of people are super excited about him and just the hope that he takes that next step forward. And you get to watch him and Ant locking guys up while you know he kind of continues to work on his shot and become an even more consistent scorer when needed as well. Um, talk to me about the identity, I guess, of the team. Like, what's it supposed to look like, big picture? on a night-to-night basis. Like, if I'm an opposing fan and the Wolves are playing at their peak, like they're supposed to be, because it's easy to forget after a while when they haven't kind of put all the pieces together for such long stretches, but what does it all look like as far as when they're supposed to be at their best? What are they elite at specifically? And I know you kind of already hit on a few specifics and what they struggle with tonight, but why, in your opinion, is that not clicking yet? Yeah, I, I think it's not clicking yet just because they, they haven't figured out necessarily the hierarchy of the offense and who they want to try to establish first. Um, that was a big thing that, that people had talked about coming into this season is, okay, do you want to play through Anthony Edwards early and then kind of use the havoc that he can create to make things easier for Towns and and Gobert? And, and that's what we saw tonight is that Edwards just kind of took control of the game as a, as a passer first and foremost, he had five assists in that first quarter. And then also I think ended up with 14 points um, just by playing within himself made, I think four threes in that first quarter. So the more they can play through him early, I think they need to get to that. Um, and they just didn't do that in the, in the third quarter, especially it was, you know, Carl Anthony Towns post-ups early. And then they went to that Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert pick and roll, which wasn't working. And I think when on the rare chance that that isn't working, um, you know, I, I, you really got to go to Edwards, back to Edwards. And, and the fact that he was the third option in that third quarter was was problematic. But in terms of what their identity, you know, will be and should be is is really honing in on 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 defense, especially in the half court. You know, that the, they got killed and on the fast break in that first game of the season, uh really tightened it up um in the second half, especially of that that game against the Heat. And then um today, you know, it was kind of an a reverse of what happened in that that yeah. heat game where they were really, really solid in enforcing, uh, you know, enforcing Atlanta into the half court. Um, and they were awesome in that second quarter. I think uh, Atlanta was something like four for 11 or three for, they were three for nine in the paint. And I think four for 11 from two. Um, and that's just what happens when you get McDaniels and, and Gobert, two of the best defensive players in the league, uh, involved in almost every single play on the defensive end of the floor. And the Timberwolves have been the best, you know, were the best defense coming into this game. Uh, by far the best half-court defense coming into this game. So I think that's going to be the main key for the Timberwolves is even on nights when their offense isn't there, their half-court defense being able to keep them in the game. We saw that on both of the first two games, you know, even though that uh, that offense was just horrendous in, in the first game, they were still right there at the end. Uh, and then, you know, the second game, their half-court defense was elite. Uh, and then once the offense caught up, um, you know, and obviously not playing at an elite level, but playing at a good enough level, um, they really pulled away from the heat there. And and tonight um, they had both firing on all cylinders once they kind of ran the, the Hawks off the half or off the three point line there in the first quarter, really settled in defensively. And, and then I think, you know, the more they get stops, the more they're able to get out and run offensively and transition and, and infuse a little bit of pace into what they're doing. But all that starts in the defensive end of the floor. And then, um, you know, we saw the Hawks, you know, score really easily in the early part of that third quarter. And then the Timberwolves as a result, then, you know, didn't have that same pace offensively, got really slow, didn't move the ball. And then all those misses led to more runouts. And so mm-hmm. it was just kind of um, all the bad things feeding more bad things. 
Um, so the more that they can get stops in the half court or first and foremost, force teams into the half court and then get stops there is where you're really going to see uh, all the good kind of emanate from for this team. Yeah, obviously it didn't come together tonight, but that is a good reminder and just a great breakdown of, again, when it is all clicking, exactly what it should look like for this team specifically. Um, I want to ask you about the schedule coming up and kind of where the Wolves fit in the West right now, just to close this up. But first, a quick word from FanDuel. Quick reminder, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook and official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place just a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, no matter what, win or lose, when you throw down just a $5 bet. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on all the action. The app, it's so easy to use, and they got everything you need. Money lines, parlays, prop bets, you name it. FanDuel's got it. FanDuel's got everything you need to bet on the entire NBA season. And it's by far the simplest and easiest betting app to use. So go check it out for yourself and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on today. America's number one sports book. $200 when you place just a $5 bet. FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. All right, last couple before we wrap up here. Only three games in. I get it. Small sample size, but big picture here. <clears throat> I feel like we talk a lot about Ant and Rudy, and it feels like, you know, I mean, you could say this for all sports, but it's kind of like a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league, and I think maybe a guy who nationally has kind of slipped through the cracks a little bit for just how talented he is, I think you could say Cat, Carl Anthony Towns. Sometimes when stars like him miss you know, a huge chunk or the majority of a season with an injury. People sometimes forget just how good and dominant these guys can be. I know he put together a great preseason, which kind of, it eased, I think, a lot of fans' minds. He looked healthy coming off a year in which, again, he missed over half the season. How's he looked through three games thus far, in your opinion? And, you know, where's he fit in this rotation? Yeah, I think Carl's looked really, you know, up and down. Uh, okay. The first three games. I think I, yeah. Had, I want the fair, honest, no filter answer on this one. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, that the Carl undoubtedly has the most work to do in terms of what the, what the wolves are asking of him and how he has to change And that, you know, Carl played at the five all the time before Rudy uh, came to town and, and now has to play more at the four. Uh, he's not able to drive quite as much with with Gobert out there on the floor um, just because, you know, there's more presence in the paint. Whereas when he was the five uh, for, for most of the chunks that he played two seasons ago when he was an all NBA player, he just had a lot more space to drive and operate and and be free offensively. And now we're, we're having to see Carl pick and choose his spots a lot more based on what matchups he's getting. And, and we saw a great job of that in the first half tonight where they were playing a much thinner, smaller four and Jalen Johnson on him. And so he took him into the paint and had two really nice post-up baskets, uh, drove at when he was playing the five, when Gobert wasn't on the floor. And that's what we've seen a lot of. So he's done a good job in terms of, you know, trying to limit some of those post-ups to only when the matchups are advantageous for him. And then at, at the other times, either stepping back and shooting threes or driving, it's just, um, you know, for Carl, the biggest thing for him is that, you know, his three-point shooting just hasn't been there so far this season. And I think, you know, for him to to really, you know, be that guy that we've seen him be, his three-point shooting's got to be there. I, I want to say Carl now is 
is is four of 17 from three to start the season. And, and that's obviously something will even out. He's a 40% career three-point shooter. But um, I think when he's playing the four, he's going to be much more effective when he's making threes, um, especially when he's playing out there with Gobert. So um, I, I think his approach and his process has been largely very good. Um, it's just I think he's got to – you know, be a little bit more aggressive shooting the ball when he's the five and um, and stepping back and shooting shooting more threes rather than than posting up um, as much as he has been so far this season because you got to shoot your way out of this this shooting slump that he's in to start the season. Yeah, no, well said. All right, last one before we go. I know we're only three games into the season. What a week and a half into a very very long season here, but. We can only go off of what we're given. So I'm just curious, what stuck out to you kind of in the early goings from the Western Conference play thus far, good or bad? And and I guess where do the Wolves kind of fit into the puzzle, so to speak, early on here? Yeah, well, funny enough, I think, you know, a lot of us thought that it was crazy that, um, you know, the Wolves are kind of projected in that 7-8 seed spot. Mm-hmm. And, and right now they're the – right now, what are they? They're the – that 5-6 – this is ninth in the West right now for the Timberwolves. Okay. Um, All right. And so right. you know, obviously there's a lot of, there's a lot of time left, but when, when you look at, you know, a lot of these teams that they're in the similar tier of, you know, the Clippers, Kings, Warriors, Suns, Pelicans, Mavericks, all those teams are kind of, you know, any of those teams can kind of be, you know, in that same tier as the Timberwolves, um, you know, all having more wins than them, despite, you know, Phoenix, Bradley Beal and Devin Booker haven't really been playing um, the Warriors have been without Draymond Green for two of their first three games. Um, you know, the Pelicans um, have had guys have had a, a bunch of you know back end rotation guys that are really important to their team not play so far this season. Um, you know, and the Dallas Mavericks were terrible in the preseason, like absolutely awful, and they're about to beat the Memphis Grizzlies to move to three and zero and send the Grizzlies to to zero and four, which is substantial. So I think you know the thing for the Wolves is um, you know like they've got to be around that 500 or better mark through the first two or three weeks of the season. Cause they have a really difficult schedule. The first, you know, oh, it's uh, a gauntlet, games right? so. it's just brutal, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what makes nights like tonight even more frustrating is that, you know, you do play a team that, uh, you know, that is, is one of the, you know, I guess more winnable games that you have here in this upcoming stretch and you're up 17 at halftime and you just kind of, kind of throw it away a little bit. So I think for the wolves to keep pace with, you know, some of these teams that are in the same tier as them, it's about, you know, holding your leads and, and beating some of the teams that are, are really low in the, the standings. And that's something that we, we saw the wolves really struggle with. I think it's the bottom three teams in the league last year, they were five and five or seven and five. Um, and so that's something that, uh, that they've really got to improve upon this season and, and obviously blowing a lead and, and playing just awful basketball and a very winnable game like tonight doesn't inspire a whole lot of confidence, but like you said, third game of the season, they've got, they've got a lot of, a lot of ground to, to kind of use as a runway to, to get going. Um, but you know, it's gotta, gotta start with, with winning these very winnable games that they have and, and, and not putting too much pressure on yourselves and the games that they have coming up, like they do in the next game against Denver, where, you know, being two and one and dropping that game, going to two and two feels a lot different than, you know, being in a one and three hole after, Absolutely. After yeah. after a game with the chance. Yeah, so. and it, it it's such a slippery slope, too, because on one hand, it's like, oh, dude, it's so early. Pump the brakes. Such a long season. But then you get to the end of the year, and every game matters, and you look back at nights like these, and you go, man, remember when they, they gave away you know that 19-point lead 
game three. It would have been yeah. nice if they could have cashed that one totally. in. So got to be careful with that for sure. So well said and and well done tonight, as always. Wolves, they run into the buzzsaw tonight versus the Hawks, 127-113. They fall to one and two on the season. Huge shout out, though, to everyone that joined us on tonight's postcast. And a quick reminder as well. Go check out Jack each and every week on the Minnesota Basketball Party with Sam Ekstrom, Ben Beacon, Ron Johnson, and Kara Levin's very own Reggie Wilson. They're pumping out everything you need to know all season long about the Minnesota Timberwolves right here on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota channel. That'll do it for us tonight, though, in Game 3. Wolves collapse in the second half. And don't look now. Speaking of that gauntlet schedule, here come the reigning champs. It's the Nuggets next at home in the backyard at the Target Center this Wednesday night. Tip off. 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Follow us on X at Luke underscore Spinman at JR Borman 13 and follow all our work over on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network and of course the Lockdown Wolves podcast as well. He's Jack Borman. I'm Luke Inman. Until next time, signing out. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.